0: Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these Bite sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Humanize Your Workplace podcast. This week, I'm really excited. Ken Denick is here to talk with us about some really cool stuff. He's actually the publisher and CEO of Jersey Man and Philly Man Magazine and the CEO of USA Man Franchising. And I think it's really cool. He also is an analyst for ESPN and a former Eagles player. Thanks so much, Ken, for joining us.
1: Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: I would love to kind of ask you what I've been starting to ask other guests. If you could give a shout out to anyone in your career who's helped you become who you are today, who would that be?
1: Well, professionally, I would say Dick Vermeil has been the greatest influence uh, for me. Uh, the work ethic that uh, he exuded when I was with the Eagles was unparalleled. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, he literally worked 20 20- one to 22 hours a day, and uh, he showed me uh, what it was like to really you know, work hard and go after something. I, I would say Coach Vermeule and my father were the two greatest influences on my life, uh, male influences, but uh, he was the professionally, I would say I learned more from him than anybody else.
0: Oh, that's—and Not many people can have actually met him. Or, that's just incredible for him to have yeah. been a mentor and just an incredible person.
1: Yeah, the nice thing about it is I, I've stayed in touch with him over the years. You know, he's got a, a wine business, Vermeer Wines, and he'll come to the Jersey Man, Philly Man events and pour some wine and meet people. And, and, and you know, he does it for me. He, he lives all the way out in Phoenixville, and it's about an hour and a half drive with traffic to our locations. And uh, he does it. And he's he loves it. He, and it's not a young man anymore. He's 80, I think he's 83 years old. But uh, wow. because I was one of his ex-players and we were lo- fortunate enough to go to the Super Bowl, he's he's kept me in uh, good standing and uh, consider him a great friend.
0: That's just so, I'm fascinated by your career. It's just really incredible to kind of follow you. And it's just so nice to obviously know you and you're just one of the most personal people I've ever met and given kind of everything that you've gone through. How, how did you do all this? How did you start out kind of being an Eagles player? Now you're running a magazine and I would, and you probably call it something else, but more of a networking group. How, how did you do all this? How did you make kind of all these transitions and reinvent yourself essentially?
1: Well, that is a great question. And my answer is probably going to take up most of our time here. I can tell you that (laughs) nothing really has been by design. So I'll skip back to my athletic career. I was a, a basketball player in high school. I didn't play high school football. And I got a scholarship to Memphis State University. And I was actually throwing the football outside the athletic dorm one afternoon. And the tight ends coach for the football team saw me. And he asked me to come over to the football office. And he wanted to talk to me, and I pretty much knew he was going to ask me to try out for the team, but I had really never played high school football, but I always in the back of my mind, I thought I would be good at it. I had played some Pop Warner when I was a little kid, and uh, he convinced me that I wasn't going to make it in the NBA, that I had to try if I wanted to be a pro athlete, which was my lifelong dream, to try playing football. And, uh, and I tried it, and I was pretty good at it. I got a free agent offer from three teams coming out of college, and I chose the Eagles, and in 1980, um, uh, both of the starting tight ends got hurt in preseason. Keith Cruffley and John Spagnola uh, got hurt, so I got to start a couple preseason games and I played well enough for them to keep me on the roster. And that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. So I'd like to say, like, this football thing was really planned out and I trained for it, I really didn't. I, I kind of fell into it. Now, you know, I I will take some credit for working hard and taking some hits and, you know, having to learn on the fly. I I did take a lot of physical punishment, but um, I I love the game. I I love playing it. I got out relatively healthy, uh, retired when I was 30 and uh, made some money and won some championships and got a few rings out of the deal. So uh, transitioning from from football to private business was very difficult because, you know, um, as an athlete, you're used to an above average lifestyle and you're making a fair amount of money. And at that time I had a a family and all of a sudden, um, you know, people aren't asking you for your autograph anymore. As a matter of fact, you're getting the door slammed in your face from a sales standpoint. And it's a very sobering experience. And you learn very quickly that, uh, you know your notoriety will only get you so far so far once you get your foot in the door you have to uh, be good at what you do and have a marketable product or service and be good at communicating what it is that you're trying to sell so i was a communications major in college that background uh, helped me getting into sales and for 30 years i sold paper up and down the east coast to magazines newspapers and printers and then uh, in 2008, uh, uh, my wife, Terry, was uh, hurt rather badly in a car accident and was in the hospital for a couple months and I had nothing to do at night. So having done some public speaking in the past, um, I, people would always tell me, "We well, he have, have great story. You should write a book. So late at night, I sat there by myself and wrote a book and uh, <laughs> never done it before. Uh, again, not by design, just kind of ignorance on fire. And, and once the manuscript was done, it was a bunch of short stories about a lot of the famous people that I've met like Mike Tyson and Julius Irving and people like that. And, um, a publisher bought, bought it and published it. And then a local reporter for a magazine read the book and liked it and approached me about doing uh, a men's magazine. So I get credit for being this genius that started Jersey man and Philly man. It really wasn't even my idea. (laughs) Um, so we started a little company. I, I had some friends in the printing business. I had access to wholesale paper because that was my, my current business. And uh, we just started talking to people. And people liked the idea. We had enough advertisers to get out the first issue. And then slowly we, we gained momentum. And then uh, when it came, interesting, when it came time to, um, to invest in the business, the, the guy who had originally the original idea backed out. Uh, he didn't He didn't want to pony up the money, so I took over his position. We subsequently found another investor, and then uh, Jersey Man was born. We did that for three years, and then we launched Philly Man, uh, I think three or four years later. And now we have what I think is a, a very upscale men's magazine on both sides of the river, backed up by our Legacy Club and Chairman's Club, which are uh, – uh, Business networking uh, groups that meet, and there, those are uh, uh, you're a member, and we're we're so proud of that. It's a it's an annual uh, fee, and you get access to these private monthly events. And we have 300 plus members now in Legacy Club, and 18 uh, members in our Chairman's Club, which is $10,000 apiece. So, the networking um, income that we receive now exceeds our advertising income. Uh, we're committed to the magazine as a matter of fact we just put out our july issue with uh, bernard hopkins the boxer on the cover We're pretty proud of that and we're um and and we just launched usa man franchising when boston man is now on the scene and we've been up there a few times helping that group get started so we're you know we're we're proud of what we accomplished but you know, as I tell my staff all the time, we're going to work like we're broke because that's where, that's where the magic happens. And if you love what you're doing, it's really not work. And a lot of good things have happened for us um, in the last few years, and we, we plan on continuing.
0: I love it. You mentioned so many great things. I think it's interesting because some things it's right time, right place when you're talking about, you know, football, just playing outside and somebody seeing you and, but you took the chance and you kind of put yourself out there and that could be for anything at work. If somebody sees the potential in you, you just have to kind of put yourself out there a little bit and see what you might be capable of. And it's tough, you know, that wasn't your background. This is totally different than putting yourself out there as a free agent, playing with people have been playing forever. Um, You know, that's, that's gotta have been tough, but I think it's a great lesson to share with people in any aspect of their life.
1: I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, my friends thought I was crazy. Number (laughs) one, to try to play uh, major college football and we played a big time schedule. We played Florida State and Texas A and M, and we played some some really good teams. And they thought I was going to get killed, but I, I felt compelled to try. I thought I had a chance to be good, and I knew I was. It was a risk, but you know, I, I just felt like I wouldn't feel good about myself unless I made the effort to try. And then, you know, I didn't get drafted out of college because I didn't have enough of a resume. But the Eagles, uh, Saints, and Rams actually offered me a contract. Now, interestingly, I chose the Eagles because I thought it would look better to be cut from the best team, and people laugh at that, but uh, I didn't think I had much of a chance of making it, but I thought maybe if the Eagles cut me, who were a very good team at that time, a team like the Saints might pick me up. If I go to the Saints, who are the worst team in the league, and I get cut by them, I, I, my career was over before it got started. So, um, But I chose the Eagles, and the training camp was really hard. I mean, I lost 24 pounds my rookie year in training camp, I was you know I was a number, not a name people didn't know who I was and then I had some success in those first two preseason games and, and, and kind of you know made a name for myself within the team and then subsequently you know, was able to, to play uh, six seasons of professional football uh, out of you know really was was kind of a lark so but you're right I think that the, and, and the magazine the same way I mean we, we launched the magazine. December of 2010, and it was a terrible time. I mean, the economy was still bad. Banks had changed their, the way they operate. They weren't loaning uh, money on ideas anymore. So we had to put our houses on the line, and then people were bailing out of the publishing industry, and we're getting into it. But you know, we always had a game plan that we we're going to be a magazine, we're going to have these business networks, and we just went about day by day about uh, sharing the news about what we were trying to do. And people, you know, a lot of people bought into it. And we're, and we're very proud of that. So you do have to risk being foolish in order to be successful. There's no question about it.
0: And what about kind of relationship building? Because you even touched upon that, too, when you left, right? So it's at first, you know, we are signing people's autograph. You're signing your autograph for other people. And then all of a sudden, it's who cares? You were an Eagles player. You want to do what? Like, how can and your whole kind of business model is also built on relationship building. When I met you the first time, I'm like, you're so personable and real. And it's kind of incredible. How, how can somebody even like in any type of work they do, regardless of the business, build a network, build relationships? What can, what are some strategies that you've used to do that in your work?
1: I think if you're sincere about wanting to, if you to help people, but so you, when you share the story about who you are and what you do, the person on the other side has to see the benefit for them. Otherwise they're, they're not going to be interested, right? What you're explaining to them has to be worth their time and their money. And they have to, they have to see the benefits. So what I try to do when when I talk to people on -on one-on-one basis, I, I try to explain who we are and what we do, because there's some misconception about, you know, a men's magazine, you know, is it, you know, is is it a dirty magazine? Is it you know is, you know is there, are there bad words or it's bad pictures in that. it? It's exactly. Not it's, it's yeah. I mean, I have a wife and four daughters. They would kill me if there was any <laughs> of a magazine. So it's very upscale. But some people have that perception. So you have to get around that. And then when you explain the concept of the Legacy Club, um, you know, and they see the benefit of networking with three hundred plus members plus all of the guests that we have um they then they begin to see the benefit of why they should do business with you and our philosophy has always been if we can if we can help you get clients mm-hmm. not only will you be a member for a long time but you'll tell people about it right. and that's how we've grown organically from very few people to 300 we didn't know those 300 people we knew about 40 of them that told the rest of the 300 that this is a good thing for them to do they came as their guest they joined up so yeah. um, as long as your emphasis is on trying to do the best for the people that you're involved with um, then I think you know eventually you're, you're on to something and if you're sincere with that and you have to be sincere then long term you'll have a successful business
0: and it's interesting what you said, too, about you know sharing your story and being personable. But at the end of the day, people need to see themselves in your story. So people need to to really grasp on something that you're saying to really grasp to you to gravitate towards you, to gravitate towards your business. So it's not about just your story. It's people relating to your story in their own way. which I, I think, think
1: so. Yeah, I agree. And I think you know people want to do business with people that they like and trust and feel comfortable with. And I've I've always been you know uh, on the friendly side. I mean even you know when I was I, I get a kick out of these pro ball players that don't want to sign autographs. I mean I signed every autograph I could because I felt I felt like I was so honored to be there and it was a, a lifelong goal. Why wouldn't I want to take the time to you know interact with people that you know are standing in a line waiting for me to, to sign whatever it is they had in front of them? So you know I I, I think that's that's very important. Um, I was I was raised the right way. I was, you know, kind of raised with the golden rule and try to do on to others as you would like people to do on to you. And I think that's been an important philosophy. Uh, try to treat people with respect and and caring and, and good things seem to happen.
0: That's true. And before we run out of time, I just have to ask, because I think your family is awesome. And it's fascinating because you have triplets, two of which work with you, and then one of your other daughters works with you, so three of your daughters and your wife is there a lot of the events. How does that work? How do you separate the personal or professional? Do you have any tips for anybody that might be in a similar situation?
1: Well, again, it's the same theme. It wasn't by design. I mean, <laughs> Ash- Ashley was first on board now Ashley had a master's degree in education. she had a Tough time finding a teacher's job. So when I approached her about helping me with the Legacy Club, which was just getting started, about three or four years in, um, she agreed to do it with the caveat that she didn't want to sell. She wasn't comfortable selling. But then, as she became uh, more and more ingrained in what we were doing, she realized that sales is just sharing a story. Yeah. I mean, when you when you are, are uh, when you're selling something, um, you're telling people about the benefits of what it is that you're offering and once she became comfortable with that she became you know a very good salesperson and she does a lot of business uh jamie who was one of the three triplets um she uh, works as ashley's assistant helping with the events and then uh, alexandra uh the third triplet is uh works in the office administratively and she writes the fitness column for the magazine my other daughter taylor is the black sheep of the family. She's an an (laughs) OR nurse. (laughs) She's an OR nurse at Jefferson in the cardiac unit. So she's, uh, she's got a great job and very happy and making a great deal of money. So I'm proud of all my kids. And uh, uh, it's been, uh, but I think the answer to your question is we, we, we get along great uh, in the office and out. And they realize that at home, I'm dad and, and in the office, I'm the president of the company. And they, they treat me with respect in, in both ways. And, of course, I treat them with the respect that uh, a dad would give their daughter. So.
0: And it does seem like and they have found their niche within your company. There, there was opportunities for some flexibility and things to move around, especially like Alex loves fitness. So she can you know, write about fitness. So it seems like there's just things aligned for, for them and for you. There was a need for what strengths and skills they have, which is really mm-hmm. cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, you know, how many guys my age get to, uh, you know, hang around their, their their kids all day long. And uh, didn't when I was 17, I left home and never came back. So uh, I consider it a blessing to still have my family around me and work with them daily.
0: No, it's awesome. Thank you so much. And how can our audience get in touch with you to find out more information about Jersey Man and all of the really cool things that you're doing?
1: A couple websites. If you go to jerseymanmagazine.com, you can get information on our magazine and the Legacy Club. Uh, if you go to usaman.com, you can get information on a franchise in your area. And if you want to start a business in another city, we've got a great model for you to be successful. And, um, you know, um, my, my email is ken at jerseymanmagazine.com. If you want to uh, write me personally, I'll, I'll get back to you and help you wherever I can.
0: No, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. As always, it's just so amazing to talk with you and talk with your family, and I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Alyssa. Great being and, with you.
0: And for our audience, if you have any questions for me on this episode or want any questions answered for upcoming episodes, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at not okay, that's okay. Until next time. Thanks again for listening. But did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.